pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for reaching out to us in our uh, lostness, in our waywardness, in our inability to, to come to you. You came to us. And we love you. I pray, God, that you would speak now and that whatever I have to say would be from you and that it would be cemented in our hearts because of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. It's been uh, a little bit before, uh, since I've preached here, and some of you may or may not know that I'm the funniest of the pastors uh, here, in and um, you may not understand my sense of humor. Uh, and if you don't, it helps me if you just laugh, and then I feel better about myself, and then uh, things go along. And I'm going to give you a little insight into the Fabi family uh, and how I grew up. And our humor is not everyone's humor. You, you may find it difficult, uh, and yet I want you to enter in because we have a great deal of love in our family, and we joke maybe in ways that other families don't. When we grew up, we, we didn't have a lot, okay? We didn't have a lot of stuff. We didn't suffer much. Um, we didn't have a lot of extras, and it was obvious that we didn't have as much as some, but maybe that we had more than others. Now, because of this, we would joke about our state with one another, in the Fabi family way, my parents would joke when we were supposed to behave well, they would say, particularly my dad, listen to your mother or you're out of the will. <laughs> and we would all laugh because we knew that there wasn't some giant estate that was to be had. And there was no, um, you know, nothing owned that would be passed down except our precious can opener or something like that. And there were no oil rights and we didn't own any, any, anything in Texas and we didn't have a long lost relative who had left us vast sums of money. The reality was something we would joke about and our love for one another wasn't predicated upon how much wealth we would give or receive on someone's passing. It was just fun to joke like that. And we still do to this day. But because my parents joked like that, um, I would joke. And uh, it was, I thought, funny. And my parents actually laughed. And so I'm going to share how I would joke back with my parents. They would say something like, you're out of the will. And I would say, okay, but well, this is what I know. And I'll give you the background so that this doesn't land. Yeah, well, I, it might be terrible anyways. So... During the 1980s, there was no internet, as some of you will remember. There was no, no ultra-wealthy Bill Gates, no Amazon, no Jeff Bezos. There was, however, a real estate tycoon of sorts named Donald Trump. Now before, like just <laughs> stay. He wasn't quite the polarizing figure that he is today. In the 1980s, you would talk about him as you would talk about someone who was ultra-wealthy, someone who had ludicrous amounts of money. So, in our unique family tradition, especially when we were confronting some economic reality, like not getting the jet I wanted for Christmas, I would say that I knew that I was adopted. 
And I was in reality the long lost son of Donald Trump. <laughs> and all of the world's wealth was mine, just waiting to be had when my real family found me. And we still joke about that occasionally. And it's, it's easy to imagine that you would, you would suddenly come into this unbelievable wealth, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to think like you could, you could get found or, or, or somebody passed away. And you hear these stories, right, about people who, who suddenly inherited something or they found something in their, in their land and they got super wealthy. They got everything that they could imagine. There's movies about, about people finding out, oh, I'm actually a prince or a princess. And, and they become something that they didn't know that they were. And there's, there's always this, this sense of, you know, this opening up to a new reality about who people are or what they've become or what, what, how their life is going to change. And it isn't hard for us to imagine those things, but it could be that you've imagined something different and maybe it isn't about money. Maybe you've dreamt about being brought into a family that loves and accepts you. Maybe you've, you've dreamt about belonging to something bigger than yourself or wondering if your life matters, that you could imagine having meaning and purpose and finding that out someday be a great win for you. This is what we find in the Galatians passage today. Paul is arguing for the Christians in the region of Galatia, which is like north-central modern-day Turkey, to understand that they are not who they think they are, but they are inheritors of God's promises. So I want to read this again, and I'm going to skip the first part. It's about the law, and it's not that it's not important. It's not germane necessarily to what I'm trying to say. But I want to start at verse uh, 27, chapter 3. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So you've been baptized into Christ and you've put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So Paul is taking old identities and he's saying they, are, they do not apply because you have been baptized into Christ and you have put on Christ. So you have a new identity and it is not the one that you previously held. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So then he's, he's linking the new identity back to the identity of the Jewish people as being God's people. And I mean that the heir, as long as it's a child, is no different from a slave, though he's the owner of everything, but he's, he's under guardians and managers until the date is set by his father. In other words, you don't give a child all of the things that you might inherit. You wait until they're ready. In the same way, also, we were children. We were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. 
This is an important line because it's the oldest son who inherits. It's the, it's the sons who get the land and, and the titles and the property and all of those things. So he's saying that Christ has brought you in and he's made you somebody new. Your old titles don't matter anymore. And you've been brought in not as a second-class citizen, but as someone who is going to inherit all of the things that are true of the family. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. And it's easy to look past this in this passage because you just say, oh, Abba, Father, and you think, oh, hey, it's great, I get to call Father, Daddy, like, oh, it's a special relationship, and it is. But God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart and my heart if you say yes to Jesus. There is no bigger thing. The spirit of God resides in you and me. I don't know of anything larger that could possibly be said of human beings. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir, and an heir through God. The old titles, Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, they didn't apply anymore to the Galatians. And they do not apply to you and to me. We are heirs of God because of Christ. So Paul is arguing for the Galatians not to return to their former positions. And it's very easy in the book of Galatians. He's like, hey, why did you go back? And you can read it. But it's very easy for us to go, yay, Jesus, that's great. And then, and then maybe just this afternoon, you just return to your former self. I mean, maybe it happens on the way to the fellowship hall. Maybe it happens when your kids come in here and you go, oh man, i got to be a parent again. But the call of God is to say, you are heirs, and this is who you are. And what does that mean? It changes everything. Through faith in Jesus, we're heirs of a promise that God will be ours and we will be his, that the nations will be blessed through us as part of what God has done in and through Abraham and the following, the, the faithful. And that we have a special relationship with God. And Peter, in one of his letters, says we are a royal family, a royal priesthood, a special people, a holy nation. And that this is our new identity. The problem is, is that no inheritance comes without death. When we think about inheritance, it it's passed when someone no longer needs or wants it, unless it's something incredibly scandalous, like the story of the prodigal son, where the younger son wishes his father's death so that he could get what he wants. It's scandalous beyond what we can understand. He wants his inheritance early, so he asks for his stuff because he wants his dad to die because he wants what he wants, and he wants to go about it. And Paul is saying that Jesus is the one who possessed all these things and more, and that he has died, and in doing so, made us who believe heirs with him in God's promises. 
So because an inheritance requires a death, Christ has died for you and for me so that we may inherit what is his. And it's not like Christmas morning. The inheritance isn't like a gift that you open up. And if you're really young, that you open up and then play with the box and not the gift. Right? <laughs> this isn't just something for me, my, I. There's something more happening here. So we don't inherit oil rights or land or the leftover 401k. But because God has sent the spirit of his son, we inherit the character and the legacy and the qualities of the spirit of Christ. We inherit the promise because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And you didn't earn it and neither did I. God has passed on in Christ positions, titles, privileges, and, and most importantly, his spirit. And part of our inheritance is what Paul describes in, later in Galatians chapter 5. Because of Christ and who he is and who his spirit is, we are given as possessions and inheritances love, joy, peace, patience. That's what I'm doing. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We aren't inheriting things. We're inheriting a relationship. We're inheriting titles. We're inheriting positions and rights. And it changes everything. Too often we think about God giving us something, i.e. life in Christ and those kinds of things, like a Christmas present that we, we get under the tree and that it's ours and it's something we open and that we use as such. And we just say, oh, well, I, I like it and I put it over there and I use it when I need it and, and those kinds of things. And what God is saying is, I'm giving you myself and what it means to be my heir and my child. This is no small thing then. And it's nothing that we just go, well, I'll take it and I'll put it on and I'll take it off and whatever and I'll use the, the Jesus thing when I need it. It's literally a new identity. You are no longer male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. You are Christ's. It makes us rich beyond our wildest dreams. It provides security beyond what millions of dollars could ever do. It gives us a title more than any lord or lady has ever lived. And this means we're called to learn what it means to be his child. His precious offspring, the apple of his eye, the hope and the joy of our birth in Christ. If you remember back to our reading in Isaiah, the way that God speaks tenderly to his people, we get to learn what it means to be his children. So our call is to lean into our new identity in Christ, to bask in the truth of his mercy for you and for me and his grace and celebrate and rejoice in all that he has done, and to live lives of gratefulness and joy, not for God, but because of his great love for us. So why do this? Because we are the people of God. 
We're the people of God. We're the ones who say we believe in Jesus Christ. Nobody else does. We are the people of hope. Our pleasure and our joy in our inheritance is a sign and a beacon to the rest of the world that there is a love that is truly unconditional. It's not just for our pleasure to enjoy. It's like the prodigal son who squandered his inheritance. It's for so much more. It's so that we understand and the world understands that there is a joy that transcends our immediate circumstances. That there's a peace that passes all understanding. There's a patience that is displayed in the newness of God's mercies every day. That there's a kindness that rebukes the jadedness of this world. That there's a faithfulness that looks nothing like the broken promises we experience. And there's a gentleness that softens even the hardest hearts and minds. And there's a self-control that goes far beyond our will. There is more to life than what is happening for just hoping for a better now. There's more to an inheritance than money. We carry the name of Jesus. We are enlivened by his spirit and we are adopted by the Father. This is a greater inheritance than anything we could hope or imagine. Even if we were the long lost relative of some super rich person. So I don't care if I'm out of the will in my family. I don't really care. You know? I know what my inheritance is. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. And, and I pray that you would enter into that this Christmas season to experience and to know what it means to be his heir and his son. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.